Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. Evening and welcome to a very special fact check this live stream with my very good friend Alan Mosley of the best late night show out there. Period. Not just Libertarian Late Night Show, but period. Especially if you watch anything from current late night television, it is all just god awful. So you should definitely focus on Alan on Wednesday nights, and then also when uh, he does the special viewer streams or whatever you want to call those on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Am I right on that? I got that right. Yeah. Close enough. Mondays and Thursdays, but yeah. Uh, well, here we are. It's Monday. I'm, I get confused. That that works for me. I, I just wanted I just want to add to that that I'm really running unopposed as the best late night talk show host because I'm the only non-communist that does one. <laughs> you know, you take your wins where you can get them. Amen. That's like I'm the I'm the best fact checker out there because I'm the only one that's actually providing factual fact checks and I'm not sponsored by some corporate shills. Well, you know, the past 72 hours have been great because there's been monumental amounts of misinformation out there about some things going on halfway around the world. And, and, and I don't, and I, and by the way, I don't mean misinformation as in things that we don't agree with. I mean, misinformation as in, look at this thing that just happened. Oh, wait, that's a picture from 1993, and it's just immediately debunked. But the thing that's beautiful about it is, is that none of the things that have been debunked were debunked by the official fact checkers and got their own little trend on the corner of Twitter. Zero of them. They were all debunked by independent people while the quote unquote official media fact checkers remain silent. That's really all you need to know about everything going on. Well, then you've got... What was the, uh, there were the pictures going around of Miss Ukraine with her, mm-hmm. with her, uh, AR 15, like ready to go to war. And this was mm-hmm. from like a photo shoot that was done a couple years ago or something. Pretty sure it was an airsoft rifle too. I don't know how many rescues she's going to mow down with, with plastic pellets. Like they didn't even give her a metal BB gun for God's sakes. 
Yeah, that's pretty amusing. And then uh, let's see, Zelensky and all of his like in his battle gear, ready to go to war. Those were all from photo shoots that have been done previous years, or when he was a TV star or something, playing a character that was going to be the Ukrainian president. Or if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, like I, I'm I'm almost positive that he was a reality TV or a, not a reality, but a television star of some sort. That he, was, he, uh, he was some kind of comedian. I mean, it, it really using the term kind of loosely right there in the picture you're talking about, they've every, all the, everyone's just swooning about what a real leader he is. Cause he's got on fatigues and some Kevlar and he's walking out in front of his limousine as opposed to hiding behind it. And a, a million other secret service. Of course, that picture's from 2001, by the way, not from last week. Right. Or the, uh, let's see, the woman, the, the old lady that is just like looking all disheveled and just got like bombed almost to death. But mm-hmm. that was from a chemical plant explosion in 2016 or 2018, something like that. Like not even anything. If I, if I'm recalling correctly, it wasn't even anything that was war related. It was like a, just an accident that happened and some stuff blew up and this poor woman was, uh, you know, nearby. And so this was like to show, to, to showcase how terrible it was. You have this picture of this old lady that just looks beat all to hell. So now that Mm -hmm. that's also being used as like, she's a survivor of all the bombings in Kiev and what have you. How great would it have been if they'd used pictures of the lady from Canada got, that got trampled by the horses and they just put a Ukrainian flag on her vest or something. Wouldn't that have been fantastic? I mean, it's basically the same thing. It's basically the same level of accuracy. All right. So again, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't I see an article that said that Putin was freezing the bank accounts of his dissenters? It wasn't it like just a week and a half ago that that was perfectly acceptable if, uh, uh, what's his name, Prime Minister Blackface uh, mm-hmm. Trudeau was if he did it to to uh, convoy supporters, perfectly acceptable. If Putin does it to his dissenters, terrible. No, no go. Absolutely no good. Yeah, it, I mean, the, these people have absolutely no shame at all. And, and of course, why would they? They are 100% convinced that they're in the right, and everyone who disagrees with them, one iota, must be evil. Uh, Trudeau, like, really, the, the cream on top for Trudeau was one day after evoking the Emergency Powers Act, uh, calling a press conference to condemn the authoritarianism abroad, spe- talking specifically about Russia and Vladimir Putin. Like, it it would be one thing to have that press conference in a vacuum, but to have it literally within 24 hours of when he sent the jackboots out to crush the protesters. Like you said, they have absolutely no shame. They they do not care one iota about the mm-hmm. uh, about the hypocrisy of it, and that's like so. That's kind of a critique that you and I and others kind of in our circles have of of libertarians who are always calling out the hypocrisy of the left and the right. It's like, Mm -hmm. they don't fucking care that it doesn't like, it does no good for us to call out their hypocrisy because they don't care. It doesn't matter to them whatsoever that they're completely hypocritical that. And for the most part, they will do it to your face and not, not even bad an eye about it. It's, it's kind of insane. I mean, 
This this was I, I I won't call it an argument. This was a disagreement that Tom Woods and I had uh, when I was on his show last uh, earlier last year. He had me on his show before his episode two thousand, mostly because I begged that I wanted to be on the show before his episode two thousand. And uh, I had said that I really just don't see a lot of value in constantly playing the I gotch game about who is and isn't a big hypocrite because it, it just because it just if what at this point what difference does it make like that I mean we've we've played that fiddle and the and the people who saw some sort of value in it and it made them reevaluate their opinions have done so but the overwhelming majority don't really care because the 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 leviathan as it is kind of has this attitude they don't really care about what they do or don't say all they really care about is is what do i have to say to get you to do what i want that's that's really their only mo for any issue at any time, and that's how it's so easy for them to flip flop from one position to the other because it's not really flip flopping because they never really had the the first position right. Like for me, that's my thing against hypocrisy and constantly calling it out is I don't I don't think that most of these people have any real position at all. It's whatever benefits me most right now and whatever I have to tell you to get you to go along with it. Yeah, they they don't believe any of what they say to begin with. So it's not, it's not hypocritical as far as that goes, mm -hmm. because they're not, yeah, they're not changing their opinion. They didn't have an opinion period. They are, they exclusively believe whatever they believe for long enough for it to be beneficial to them to do whatever they need to do today or tomorrow. Right. And that that's it. Like there is no, there is no further sight into it than, than just that. And, and like, you can see that like, you can see that in a lot of the stuff that's happened throughout COVID over the last two years mm -hmm. and some of the way that a lot of politicians have behaved, like they have seriously done exactly what was necessary to win support for the day and then mm -hmm. immediately change directions the next day or two days later or a week after like that. And there's no apology. There's no, uh, admitting that they were wrong, that they blow, they go whichever way the wind blows and they just don't give a shit. It's yeah. So a lot of people have been making memes the last 24, 48, 72 hours about how the NBCs are getting their uh, software updates to go from COVID to hashtag I stand with Ukraine. And, and, you know, th those of us who have been paying attention, you know, we, we remember take Gavin Newsom, for example, governor of California, so a lot of people, and myself included, were, were just kind of mocking the fact that we recently had the Super Bowl. It was in L.A. Technically, SoFi Stadium still had a mask mandate. But, oh, look, there's, there's Gavin Newsom taking a picture with Magic Johnson, and they're not wearing masks, right? But that shouldn't really – again, that, what, what difference does that really make? That's not really a big shocker because all the way back like a year and a half, two, two whole years before when he originally instituted uh, strict mandates in California, he was, he was photographed later the very night that he issued the executive order masks in a restaurant enjoying a, a night out on the town with his buddies so, so it's not like this is, this is some sort of startling re revelation. They never actually believed it. They never actually believed any of that crap. Just like today, they don't necessarily, I mean, is, is Vladimir Putin an evil man? Well, of course he is. But I mean, he's just as evil as, as the leader of any state apparatus that has brought death and destruction to any people around the world. 
right. what I was discussing most recently with some of my friends today is is what's the what's the big difference between now and anything that um, that the American Empire has done in, during the terror wars and the decades before? As far as I can tell, the only difference, Justin, is the color of this right here. And like subjectively speaking, is Vladimir Putin any more evil than Justin Trudeau or any of the politicians in the United States? Like how how frequently have they gone to war with another country for no more mm -hmm. reason than to pad their own pockets? I, I, I sincerely believe that he only has his own interest and in the interest of Russia at at heart in doing that. But at least he has the interest of Russia and his empire at heart. Like I don't believe that any of the US politicians waged any of the wars in in the Middle East for any more reason than to pad their own pockets. I like, think that Vladimir Putin that? I think he has a great amount of ambition for his own legacy, and he probably wants to have a legacy of bringing Russia back to a greater level of geopolitical import globally than, you know, ba back to perhaps where it was prior to the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, is that a good thing? Of course, it's not a good thing. It's a terrible thing. Um, but but again, you know, I, I see people today. I mean, even even some of our friends. Justin, like even people in our circles and amongst the quote unquote liberty community or movement that are that are putting those flags in their profiles and talking about how they stand with Ukraine. And it's one thing to to sympathize with innocent people who are just caught in the middle of a Western and Eastern power struggle. Right. Like I get it to that extent. But a lot of these people think that the answer is some type of intervention, which, by the way, sanctions are an intervention. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. A lot of people favor some level of intervention, whether it's let's lock down your accounts all the way up to let's send in the troops guns blazing. And the fact of the matter is, is that Putin could order his forces right now to increase attacks on civilian targets a hundredfold, and it would still be a drop in the bucket compared to the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that have been killed, maimed and displaced by the American empire in what Af Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, Libya, Somalia, and, and, and many, many other countries that we will, will forget to mention during the time that we're on the show here. So, so when you show me a picture of like one bombed out building and say, look at this, look at this monster, I'm, I'm sorry. That's just, you're right, he is, but that just rings hollow to me because I know you're not saying that in good faith to to signal to me that you think Putin's bad. What you're saying is, is he's the worst. Is he the worst? I don't know. Well, speaking of one who could possibly be the worst, or at least I don't have a whole lot of, I guess I shouldn't say I don't have a whole lot of respect for him. I, I have some respect for the man because it, uh, it takes a certain level of dedication to to get to where you are as a warmongering psychopath, but the Pentagon says it was a fat finger mistake when Biden's defense secretary retweeted a screenshot from one of Tucker Carlson's pro-Putin monologues. And it, it does appear that it was at least a somewhat semi-pro-Putin monologue that uh, it was Tucker Carlson was coming to the defense of saying that uh, Putin was merely trying to protect his Western border. Um, and do, do you think it was actually a fat finger mistake? 
was, was um was, <laughs> i i i'm i'm gonna answer your question with a question am i a racist for saying that that guy looks like keenan thompson you know all black people look the same so okay we'll all right Okay. I mean, I'm sorry. It looks like Keenan Thompson with, with gray hair. I'm, it's, it's just what he is. But I mean, look, I, I'm willing to give the guy the benefit of the doubt that he he probably retweeted something that he or, or maybe he was going to retweet it with some sort of snide remark. Right. Um, as opposed to just giving it a bigger platform. I, th- I think the the bigger question is, is that you know, people like Lloyd Austin, who this is far from their first rodeo, right? Like this, this, as you pointed out, this guy's where he is because he's made a career of being a blood soaked monster. Um, him retweeting something from Tucker Carlson, I have to think ranks very, very low on the list of terrible things he's been party to. Well, and apparently it was just a, uh, they say it was a, a social one of our social media guys so of of course it was an aide i mean we not that we expect that these uh accounts are being run by anybody other than aides or interns like like who's running joe biden's social media cuz it's definitely not joe biden like the, see i really miss mean tweets with trump because at least there was a pretty good chance it was actually him mean tweeting whereas whenever biden puts out these like just cringe-worthy, completely, mm-hmm. completely divorced from reality tweets and Facebook posts. It's like, can we get the mean tweets back? Those were at least entertaining. This is just dumb at this point. I I just figured, I mean, I, I don't really look into these things. I always assume that that, that that dude who thinks he's a woman that has the really long white fingernails, I thought that that was the guy who's running Biden's social media accounts. Am I, am I wrong? Or is that a different guy? I don't know. It, well, I think that person's uh, entire purpose is to be an influencer. So, mm-hmm. so they are probably running everybody's social media. I would assume that, that's why they all kind of uh, mirror each other. It's same dude posting the same things over and over again with a slightly slightly different commentary. Kind of like if you follow the Lions of Liberty counterflow with Buck Johnson. Peddling fiction and a number of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was just about to say, <laughs> I was like, have you, you know, have you ever been creeped out by like, sometimes you'll see people will show these screenshots of like, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, a hundred different people that don't seemingly be seem to be connected, but you can tell it's just their bots. Like it's just a copy pasta of the exact same propaganda or, or news outlets. There'll be like 20 different local news outlets and they'll all have the exact same copy pasta report that, that they're claiming they themselves came up with, but it's clearly something that got handed down to them. It's but, all, they're but, all me. It, every single one of them. That's all me. Uh, yeah. I, well, I was, I wasn't going to bring it up cause I thought I might be hitting too close to home with you guys, but I, I don't know. I have uh I have actually dialed back on some of the uh like random posts and stuff on a number of those accounts because I realized that I was kind of doing it and be like, "Ooh, I know a lot of people in this community would really mm-hmm. like this." But a lot of the people in this community who aren't a part of that one would also really like it. And then there are also people in this community that aren't really part of either of those, but they would also like it. So then like mm-hmm. with me running uh like 12 different uh, social media accounts, then you get like, I become the, I become the collage of, <laughs> of all the different accounts posting the exact same thing. 
it's it's see you, you know full well that one of our favorite pastimes in this community is to is to muse about who is and isn't a fed and you're making all those people look more likely to be feds because it's all copy pasta <laughs> and it, it turns out it's all just the same fit it's just yeah. just me yeah it's just yeah it's well exactly that's that's how it is and now it's it's so simple now all that libertarian propaganda is all just fed named justin if if only everybody in the Mises caucus and everything else had known that from the start, they could have avoided all this time and, and effort wasted and just put themselves in jail. But mm-hmm. it's OK. I'll catch up with them in Reno. Yeah, that's right. See, all these people are always uh, hollering about all meeting up in one city to have some type of convention or, or pity party or whatever. And I'm always like, I, I don't know if I want to. First of all, I don't think I can be around that many mouth breathers at one time. Like, can you imagine the smell in the room in a place like Reno with all those people there? It's like a Magic the Gathering convention. Uh, but on top of that, it just it just seems like that's boy, if there was ever going to be a surgical cruise missile strike in the United States, boy, that's the place to do it. Uh, so, no, I'm not going. I ain't going to be in Reno. Shit. A buddy of mine and I actually had talked about and really strongly considered it that the the timing with his work mm-hmm. is it's like the worst possible time of year for him to try to get off. And and I was thinking about driving because I, I just I don't like to fly. So if I was yeah. going to go, I would like to make a road trip of it. And that's just too much time off, especially with just making a move and everything. And, mm-hmm. and I've got a, I've got a much more important road trip that I need to make just a, a couple hours down the road in, uh, in June. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to save up and, uh, and do that instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fourth support. annual is too late live show right there. Yeah, it's going to be happening south of Nashville here in, in Middle Tennessee, June 4th. I'll tell you what, ours is going to be a million times better than the Tennessee LP convention or the national LP convention in Reno or any of those places. And I'll, and I'll give you a few distinct reasons why one, we're going to have a ton of food. Uh, so everyone can help themselves. Uh, two, we're going to have uh, live entertainment and there's going to be a live show of ours. There's going to be a guy riding a unicycle juggling knives. Uh, we're probably going to make some homemade bombs. I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's going to be killer. Uh, and then finally, three, a large portion of what we're doing is going to be outdoors. So all so all that wheezing and Cheeto dust is going to go out into the atmosphere as opposed to being recycled by the air conditioner in Reno. And that always makes it better. Uh, yeah. Speaking of sending Cheeto dust out into the atmosphere, did you see that apparently uh, nuclear war could potentially... Uh, fix global warming yeah i guess nuclear nuclear winter would would be a an obvious correction to global warming yeah that was a that was a real article that was in huffpo today that this is this is not fake ladies and gentlemen this was a real article in huffpo where scientists were getting together and they were simulating well if we had a, a a mostly peaceful nuclear war uh what what could that do to reverse the effects of global warming um, and, and I will say that by the end of the article, they get around to saying that, well, you know, the cons probably outweigh the pros of this, of this arrangement, but it really just goes to show that these people like no amount of human suffering will change what they want to see done right then. <laughs> the, 
you know, the end of civilization as we know it would probably turn global warming. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you're going to have that immediate spike where global warming goes like way, way up as, as the bombs go off. But then, you know, a couple hundred years later, it's all fixed. We're back to normal. Don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, you know, what's interesting is because there's just we, we can't help but draw parallels from kind of the, the COVID era we were just in to the all of a sudden World War Three era that we're heading into. And and I saw uh, I saw a bunch of people that were posting uh, comments and, and articles and stuff talking about look at all these different places that are dropping mandates just now, like New York City's dropping them, Washington, D.C.'s dropping them, California's dropping them. Uh, and of course, we know that that's all politically motivated. It has nothing to do with health or science, but that's not the point. The point is, is you actually have people upset that don't want the lockdowns and the mandates to go away because they would feel unsafe because they think the pandemic is still terrible and dangerous and and all of these people are rushing to lower these restrictions. And and the point being is, is again, uh, I'm just, just using one as an example. There was, a, there was this uh, article from this hysteric in New York City that was saying the mayor of New York is uh, jump, jumping the gun here. We need to, we need to keep the, the mask mandates and stuff in place for a while longer because it's too soon. And their, and their specific argumentation, of course, there was no data behind it. Their specific argument was um, a lot of people will not feel safe. And I just wanted to add a little asterisk to their comment of when they say a lot of people, they mean themselves because they really don't care about anyone else. They only care about themselves. And they and, and there's no amount of people that disagree with them that will possibly sway them from the position of do what I say. There's no amount of people. doesn't matter if 90% of the public is against them. It's going to come around to do what I say or else. Well, and you kind of saw that. So we were talking about it before the show and you, you, you uh, made fun of of Lloyd Austin looking like uh, Keenan from mm-hmm. Keenan and Kill. I can't remember what his last name is. Uh, anyway, the, and he's on Saturday Night Live now. And we we just saw the the Saturday Night Live skit where they're making fun of all the COVID restrictions. And, mm-hmm. and you kind of see them make fun of that to some extent because they, they do mention that, well, I'll probably continue to wear a mask even though the, the mandates are are lifted and because safety and like they, they, the, the, the clip or the segment, like it really made fun of everything that everybody with a brain has been saying for the last year and a half, at least. And now it's socially acceptable to say it because, you know, we're mm-hmm. moving on. It's time for, it's time for world war three season. We're, we're done with COVID season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and even the skit itself, it's not it's not like it's not like they were presenting any hard data or facts or logic in it. It was it was really mostly that they were just touching on, well, you know, maybe maybe some people may or may not have had a point, right? Like maybe some of these things didn't either didn't work at all or at least were not necessary. And 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 like the the one guy in the skit was saying, "Well, maybe I shouldn't have like cut people out of my life because we had a disagreement on something that now in hindsight, you know, maybe they had a point and everyone around the table is going, Ooh, don't you say it? Cause it's like, if you give voice to that, then it's going to shatter. It's going to shatter the glass, right? It's going to shatter that worldview. But the thing is, it's like, I know people are sharing that clip and I know people are laughing and oh, ha ha ha. Isn't it funny that they're and and people are saying, oh, look at, you know, look at how the regime narrative is changing, blah, 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 blah. 
But the thing is, is that that wasn't my takeaway from it at all. My takeaway from it was, okay, great. So the narrative is shifting and, and we're, we're quote unquote, getting back to normal. Okay, fantastic. But to me, that's still hollow because it's not good enough for us to end the mandates and go back to normal. It's, it, it would only be good enough if the people who are responsible are brought to justice. And that's never going to happen. Like it doesn't, it, you've even seen it with like Cuomo had all of the, granted, this wasn't about the, the literally tens of thousands of people that he killed in, of actual grandmas that he, mm-hmm. he was responsible for killing in nursing homes. But you know, all of the, all of the different people who came forth with sexual harassment claims against Cuomo, that's all been dismissed. Like he lost his job and nothing's going to happen. Like there will be no, there will be no justice for, for anybody involved in this. Uh, and yeah. except for, you know, except for the ones who, who got all excited and touted, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, we won cause he lost his job, except that the new governor is possibly worse. In fact, seems to be, way worse so so mm-hmm. like who who won who what, what's what's the victory in this it's well okay so like i i saw in the news new, new zealand came back up in the news and so for people who were kind of like looking around the world during the last couple of years new new zealand was one of the absolute worst authoritarian hellscapes all the way up to very recently uh in the whole world uh the the lady president there um I forget her name, Prime Minister Bitchface. Uh, she she was using all manner of the just most draconian lockdown measures that you could think of because they had a zero COVID policy. And of course, what we I mean, that's that was always ridiculous on its face. That was always ridiculous on its face. But sh- but they were maintaining a zero COVID policy that was guiding their actions all, again all the way up to basically like last week or something. Um, and and the reason it came up in the news is because their high court, their version of the Supreme Court, uh, just recently came out and ruled against her. They said that uh, she had committed gross, uh, I think the quote was, gross violations of human rights. And that alt- and that this was going to be really big legally in New Zealand because this precedent was then going to be used to strike down an enormous amount of the actions and measures that she took. And a lot of people were sharing that and a lot of people were saying you know, this is great news. And, and I know that there's people out there who say, you know, don't be black pill, take a W, right? Like enjoy, enjoy the wins where you can get it. But again, I really just don't take the W here because these rulings came out like today, like this week, it's tomorrow's March, 2022, right? All this stuff started in March of 2020. So it's been two years that these people have been living under this woman's tyranny. Okay, where were the courts the last two years? The courts came in and saved everybody by striking down her measures. Where were they the last two years? And I know that there's there's people out there that would say, well, but this is a good thing because now with that precedent, it won't happen again. It Maybe, maybe you're right and maybe it won't. But the last two years has taught me is that even if they're in the wrong and even if by some crazy chance one branch of the government rules in your favor against another branch of the government, it took them to your life's already ruined, right? Like they've already shut down your business and and frozen your assets and beaten you with a baton. Like they've already done all those things over the last two years. So while it's good that they have rebuked her now, if she's not going to prison, then I don't care. Well, like you saw it with 
uh, with the Biden vaccine mandates and stuff when the stays were put on them. Biden's administration was still saying, even though there's a stay put on this, you should still go forward with it. Like just because the courts put a stay on it doesn't mean that you don't have to do it. Like you should still do it. Like so obviously that they don't care that they're ruled against. They're going to push forward with doing whatever. So, yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no reason to think that just because their high court ruled against her and said that this was all shouldn't have been done. Number one. Nothing's going to happen to her. She will not suffer any consequences for that. She's she's not even going to lose her job like Cuomo did. Like she's she's going to stay in her position. And mm-hmm. considering how that part of the world is, they'll probably reelect her. <laughs> yep. And as insane as that is. And then, you know, for another thing, who's to say next time this happens or something similar happens or what have you, she doesn't say, well, this is a different emergency. So that doesn't apply. And we're going to go with whatever I say again. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we're praxeological people, right, around here. We're human action people. We're Mises people around here. And we and we believe, or we know, I shouldn't say we believe, we know that people respond to incentives. But in the same way that the market is not a profit economy, it's a profit and loss economy, the, the moral market, the ethical market, the state market is not just based on incentives. It's also based on consequences, right? You you respond as an individual based on incentives when you're thinking about your work, your job, your income, but you also don't do things based on the consequences. Well, consequences are something that these people never face. And so if they are positively incentivized to pursue their agendas, um, by by whatever shadowy figures are pulling the strings in the background, the lizard people. But they also but they also know that they will suffer no consequences for their actions. Then there's absolutely no reason to think that we won't be right back in this boat in 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 whatever number of months or years down the road, whenever the next emergency comes along, and they're going to be locking your kids back up in the house, and you're going to be saying, "I got to get these kids out of my damn house," <laughs> and. Uh, and, and we're going to be right back to square one. So, I mean, so again, I, I, I hate to, ha- I hate to sound so negative. I, I really do, but it's just hard for me to imagine where we don't find ourselves back in this boat sooner than later without someone having paid the price. Well, and like mentioning kids, so I'm probably a terrible parent, but I <laughs> try, <laughs> I, I try to make sure that my kids lose, that they fail, that you know, stuff doesn't always go their way, that they don't always get their way. Because then you learn, like, if you don't do, for, I'm pretty sure I've talked about him before, but like, for instance, my son should have been held back a couple years ago. He should have been held back last year. He should absolutely be held back this year. His mother has continued to have the school promote him to the next grade. And so he hasn't learned that there is a consequence to not doing your work. So right now mm-hmm. he is doing terribly and way behind on everything because he shouldn't be in this position to begin with. He should have been allowed to fail two years ago, a year ago, and it hasn't happened. And like, that's, that's the politician mindset of this. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're never allowed to fail or if they do fail, they don't suffer any consequences for it. They fail all their classes and then they get promoted to the next grade anyway. So what's it matter if I fail all my classes, if I don't try, I'm just going to move on anyway. That's, that's where the entire political class of the United States is. Like, it doesn't matter 
if they fail. It doesn't matter if they do something wrong. It doesn't matter if they completely screw up and blow $2 billion, trillion dollars, whatever. They just get to chalk it up as well. I fucked up and, and move on and go do it again six months from now. Well, that just tells me I think your son's going to wind up being president someday because most of these people, like most of the absolute worst warmongers or policy wonks, they always do what they call failing upward, right? They they fail in whatever their given task is, but then they get a promotion to a higher position to fail again, or they fail their way out of the public sector and then they go off and give speeches for $50,000 for every 30 minutes for Goldman Sachs or whatever. So I, I think I want to go work for your son, as a matter of fact. Well, I but mean, me you know, that too, like even the politicians who run for election and fail, they just move mm -hmm. on and they do something else within the same sphere. Like they don't actually, yeah, they all fail upwards. They, none of them. You, no, I shouldn't say none, but like the number of politicians who just wash out and disappear completely, and it's it's a negligible number. Like they all end up just rolling into something different. How many of the how many current senators or Congress people used to be a governor in a different state? You know, it's it's like the mm -hmm. uh, it's like an SEC football coaching carousel. Like everybody who fails as a head coach just goes on to be a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator or something somewhere else. And they just keep, you know, cycling through to a different job here, there and everywhere. And they never stop making millions of dollars. They never stop, mm -hmm. you know, falling upward. They, they just, and then eventually they end up stumbling their way back into whatever the position was that they had lost because they sucked. However many years ago, like it's just a never ending cycle. Well, I, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a real life, very local example. So the, the mayor of Columbia, Tennessee is a guy named Chaz Mulder. We actually went to high school together. Um, I mean, this guy is the prototype yuppie liberal douche that somehow gets a southern town to vote for him because he's a homeboy, right? He's, he's from the area. And then, and then the voters get what they deserve. Uh, and so this guy, he goes, he, he goes and gets his law degree. He's in law. That's, that's that, so right off the bat, you know where this is going. He's a guy who's a, this is a constitutional scholar. I mean, he's going to, he wants to be the next Obama. He's just a little bit too light skinned. And, uh, he gets elected mayor of Columbia and this guy won't get reelected. He's been an absolute total disaster from the word go. Um, he gets elected almost exclusively on the back of his name and the fact that he's, you know, he's like a, like a local homegrown talent, so to speak. Um, and then of course, when the, when the COVID era comes along, uh, thankfully for us, the local health department is run by the County, right? And the County mayor who was a uh, right leaning guy says, we're not going to do mask mandates and all this crap. That's, that's, that's garbage. We're not, we're not going to enforce that because that's, that violates individual sovereignty. Um, the, the mayor of Columbia, the city was absolutely outraged. He was, he, I mean, this guy's just, just red as a beat because he can't force people to do what the Biden administration tells them to do. Uh, so this guy won't get reelected. And the reason I bring him up is, is that this guy's now a pariah. There's a 0% chance he gets reelected as, as for another term as mayor, but he's not going to run for mayor again. Do you know why? Cause now he's going to run for the state Senate. So Imagine. the guy who the guy who could never get reelected in his hometown is going to go run for state senate, and the Democrats will probably prop him up, and he'll probably do well, depending on what depending on what district he's running in and how that district is uh, drawn mm -hmm. and and how it skews. He'll probably do very well. Uh, yep.
It's absolutely no different than you or I having a job somewhere where we drive a forklift into a gas tank and blow up half the factory, but we get a new job in the same position for another company because on our resume, we put forklift driver. Of course, we leave out the part where we like blew up half the factory, right? We just put the part where we were a forklift driver. This is exactly what a lot of politicians do. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who, who listen or watch this probably can think of local examples for themselves. And the funny thing is, is that you might think, well, what is, what is one random local anecdote mean to like the, the political landscape nationwide or even globally? And the answer is, is because that's where those people came from. Uh, every, I mean, you know, a lot of people like Ron DeSantis, but you go look at Ron DeSantis. I mean, this was a guy who was relatively young. He was a baseball player. He kind of comes out of nowhere, decides to go into politics, um, instantly enjoys local success um, gets catapulted to the governorship. And, and I tell all these people, all these people who are DeSantis nut huggers, I keep on telling them, do you guys really want him to run for president? Cause that means he's going to Washington and he ain't coming back to Florida. Is that what you want? If you actually think he's that good in Florida and you're a Floridian, why do you want him to go to Washington DC? Cause when he goes, he ain't coming back. Is that what and you even, want? And even if he doesn't win the presidency, which at this point doesn't seem particularly likely, but even if he didn't win the presidency, He's still not coming back. Like he's going, no. he's moving on to bigger and better things. Like his, he's already seen that, you know, that yellow brick road has been laid out for him. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's only up from here. Like, don't, don't wish that on yourselves. Cause then you end up with uh, Terry Gillum or whatever his name was. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and, and again, you know, I'm because I'm I, I don't worship politicians. There's not a politician out there that I'm like, oh, yes, please let me sign away all my rights to this guy because I believe he has my best interest at heart. Um, are there some that are better than others? Of course there are. I mean, without a doubt, would I rather would I rather be working with Ron DeSantis than Cuomo? Absolutely. I mean, you'd be crazy not to. Uh, but with but with that said, again, uh, you're going to know all you need to know about Ron DeSantis if if and if and when he does run and if and when he does become president, uh, if that's what's in the cards in 2024, um, is is he going to is he going to get elected and then immediately spearhead a strong uh, domestic policy of decentralization? Or is he going to do what Trump did, which is talk that good game, manage to get into the Oval Office, and then the first thing you do is start appointing people like John Bolton to your cabinet? Because that's because if that's what happens, and and I'm and I'm here to tell you that that's totally not outside the realm of possibility, then you can you can write that MF or right. I I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on the show. You can write that guy right off. I, I've actually had people complain that I cuss too much on my show, so have at it. Okay. Oh, well, in that case. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm really see. jealous, by the way, that you've been that you've been like eating and stuff this whole time, and I just sitting here with a with a sparkling ice plus caffeine drink. My uh, so I've been moving, and whenever I do. Med- my wife is extremely attractive for some reason and moving heavy things qualifies as man work. So mm-hmm. she made me some pot stickers and then I've also got me some uh, blackberry moonshine. So you have to have food to go with the blackberry moonshine. It, it has a weird flavor. It's I'm not sure how to describe it. It's not bad. I probably won't have it again, but mm-hmm. it's not bad. 
You know, I'm because people that know me know that I'm I'm not really a big drinker. It's not it's not that I have like any r- religious you know qualms with it or anything like that. I just I just don't care to drink all that much. Uh, so I I really have no difference in taste whatsoever. You know, I'll, I have people hand me ten different shots of ten different liquors, and I'm like, yeah, they're nail polish. I got it. Like I don't I didn't need the ninth and the tenth one to know <laughs> that that's what they were. That's uh, it. That, it's like blackberry flavored nail polish. And you there you it. go. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it might taste a little bit better than real nail polish, but which is which is more true, that it tastes more or less like nail polish or that it does the job of nail polish? Actually, nail polish remover is more what it smells like. Yeah, nail polish remover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, we've there's been people that have been tossing around the idea that when we have our live show June 4th that we'll have some kind of a drinking game where I'll go like shot for shot with my producer Dave who is a functioning alcoholic, but we love him. So I don't know. I think everybody wants, just wants to get me killed because I tell everyone that I don't really get drunk. I'm one of these people that has a really, really high chemical tolerance. I'll, I'll, I'll take things that lay other people out and I just shrug and move on with my life. But I tell people, doesn't that mean though, like you can correct me on this if I'm wrong. Doesn't it mean that if you're someone that is not easily inhibited, that that, that just means you'll die? Like you won't know that you've reached the limit and you'll just get alcohol poisoning and kill yourself as opposed to being really drunk and, or sick and stopping. That's pretty, that's pretty damn close to most of my experiences. <laughs> okay. I, I also have a, a very high tolerance. Uh, I can't really drink beer anymore for some reason. I, I don't know if my body has developed a, a slight yeast intolerance or, or what, mm-hmm. but if you give me hard liquor, I can just go and I can just kind of keep going. And like, I, I feel really good, but then like the point from feeling really good to like blacking out and don't know what happened, even though it's like way out there in the distance mm-hmm. when I do cross it, it's like instant. And so, yeah, you're probably right. Like I, I suspect that that's probably how I'll die. One of these days is I'll just, drink a little I'll, I'll just you know lightly cross that line and then that's it everything will just shut down and i'll end up in a ditch i have woken up in a ditch uh once or twice mm-hmm. well see that's of, why it's that's why it's good of, that you uh, live in the south so that you it was at least a warm ditch as opposed to a snow-covered ditch speaking of waking up in that ditch it's interesting that we were talking about uh mayors in in uh tennessee a mm-hmm. my roommate when i was at mississippi state is currently running for the mayor of Knox County against uh, uh, Glenn Jacobs. So, oh, God. And uh, my my former roommate, now he wasn't the one that was in the ditch. I, I was in the ditch, but I, mm-hmm. I do vaguely recall waking up in the ditch and he was there and we had a, uh, we had a brief conversation and then I woke up in a different ditch some hours later. But uh, that made me think about because he sent me a a request or a, like a, a suggestion to like his page on Facebook and his so I looked at his page and it was his page for his uh, mayoral campaign to be the governor or the, the mayor of Knox County. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, I I just I really can't get on board with this. Like, I love you, man. You well, just don't you just don't align with me politically. Like, I I'll give you a big like and a thumbs up, but I, I'm not going to be throwing you any yeah. other support. 
Well, this is the same thing. So, I, you know, I would lump, lump someone like a Glenn Jacobs into the same category as uh, as DeSantis or as like a Thomas Massey, congressman of, from Kentucky. And what I mean by that is, is not not necessarily in the political sense, but just in the sense of if you were an individual and you had any type of money or political clout or whatever, and you've seen the absolute nightmare that the last couple of years has been for everyone. If your first thought is, is God, we got to get rid of Glenn Jacobs, then you're just so far off the reservation that I, I mean, I, I just can't see how we agree on anything. I, I really can't. Like if you, if you've seen what's gone on in Washington the last couple of years and, and the, the, the printing presses and, and the inflation that's, that they say is running at seven and a half, which is insanely high, but we know that that's even a lie. It's probably double that. Um, it, it, those stimulus packages that it was totally predictable that we would be here. Um, uh, and, and of course your aforementioned mandates and things like that. If you see all that stuff going on in Washington and you think that you could make a difference in Congress and your answer is, well, let's, let me get rid of Massey. Then you're like, you're just total. I'm sorry. You're irredeemable. You're such a fucking piece of shit that you're totally irredeemable. Like go, go. Like if you, if you really believe that you have the answer, go replace Nancy Pelosi for God's sakes. Or, or like, especially like in the state of Kentucky, there are plenty of other Congress people. Yes. Senators in the state of Kentucky who are absolutely abysmal other mm -hmm. than Rand Paul and Thomas Massey. Like, I guess yep. Kentucky's kind of uh, gotten their comeuppance over the last couple of years. They uh, they got mad because Bevan said mean things, and so mm -hmm. they put in Andy Bashir, whose yes. father was like the king of corrupt governors, and mm -hmm. they replace the king of corrupt governors with the prince of corrupt governors, and like kind of miss the guy who said mean things now, don't you? Uh, you yep. have to assume. I mean, there's no way Andy Bashir gets another term, but. But he won't need to, right? Because he'll go run for Congress. Or, or he'll go back to, uh, what was he was attorney general, I believe, um, previously in the state of Kentucky. Like, he'll mm -hmm. go back to something else. Yeah, Andy yeah, Justin Trudeau Bashir, yeah. He is, he's a democratic darling at this point like he mm -hmm. has he has completely towed the the progressive left-wing line on all things covid even to honestly to his own detriment in his state but yeah yeah he's uh he's going to move on to much greener pastures after after this ends and, and another example of those fucking crooked politicians who continually fail up somehow well, like even so, if you're even just going to use uh, Kentucky politicians as an example, like compare Rand Paul to like Mitch McConnell. So and I'm not talking about like you or me, like put yourself in the shoes of just the typical left liberal, like just the stereotypical progressive Democrat or social Democrat or whatever. Um, if you if you had the option right now of waving a magic wand and you could remove one of those two. Kentucky centered politicians from the halls of Congress. You can only pick one, either Rand Paul or Mitch McConnell. I think you or I, no matter how far, how hard we pretend to be a, because, because neither of us are progressives, but if we were trying really hard to put ourselves in our, in their shoes, 
I think you and I would pick Mitch McConnell. Like Mitch McConnell, the turtle is one of the most evil pieces of shit literally on planet Earth. It just it just no matter how much you disagree with Rand Paul, if you had an opportunity to to murk Mitch McConnell, you can't miss. I'm willing to bet I could be wrong, but I'm willing to bet that if we went out and found whatever amount of left leaning friends that we have and we asked them that question, I bet they would pick Rand over Mitch McConnell. I bet they would. You know, I think you're wrong. I think more left leaning, especially Kentuckians would pick Mitch over Rand because they, because beyond uh, very public arguments with Dr. Science on Mm -hmm. C-SPAN, they don't know anything about Rand, but they know that Mitch McConnell is the face of evil Republicans and they would go after him a hundred percent. See, I, I disagree because I think that the, the the ones who think that they're politically woke would say that, yeah, but Mitch McConnell, he plays ball, right? I mean, I mean, look where we're at today. Look at the budgets. Look at the outrageous spending. Look at look at everything that Republicans have rolled over for for the last 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years. It, Mitch McConnell and or people like Mitch McConnell were were failing to lead the charge against any of those things way more often than not they are the ones cutting the backroom deals to make whatever progressive policy that they wanted to have have happen happen yeah yeah they're the ones who are leading the rollover (laughs) yeah so they're so strategically they'd be perfectly content to keep mitch mcconnell it's assholes like rand paul that actually vote no when they say they're going to vote no so they would get rid of him in a heartbeat see i'm going to run a social experiment on this because i just don't think enough of them actually know enough about rand paul to to think that i definitely think that just based on like recency bias if all these people are up in arms about russia 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 i think that they're way more likely to think that Rand paul is like a, a putin puppet than yeah, you might be right mitch mcconnell is i don't know because so many of these people like like recency bias is, is something i've been thinking about a lot more lately um not just in like the the meme terms of software updates for the npcs it was covid now it's ukraine but but in in genuine and again even for people in our own communities in our own circles that i think so many people rush to get out their hot takes and so many people want to want to signal their opinion about whatever's going on in the news that they only halfway understood whatever just happened and now they're on to the next thing then they're on to the next thing and so it's it's incredibly com- – of course, you and I are both sports people. We see this all the time in sports, right? Like if you think LeBron James is the GOAT, then you basically don't know anyone that played basketball before like 1998, right? Like you've never – you never knew basketball happened before the year 2000. Therefore right, – so Remember uh, – a perfect example of that. Remember the, the first NBA finals with Boston's Big Three when they had – Ray mm-hmm. Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett, and they were playing yep. against the Lakers. Yep. That the, so the series went seven games. But if you watched or listened to ESPN, Fox Sports, anything the day after every game, whoever mm-hmm. won, they were going to they were going to sweep the series and they were going to win in however many games were left. Every yes. single game, like the whole the the series had to go seven games, and Boston ended up winning, and you know all of that. But literally every single game, it's like, oh, that's it. The Lakers are the Lakers are going to win the rest of it. It's over. Oh, that's it. Yep. Boston's going to win the next two games, and and it's over. And mm-hmm. and every 
every single game because I am, especially with basketball, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a basketball guy. So, and, and at that time I was very into it. And so I was watching all those games because I like, I like Kevin Garnett Mm -hmm. and I hated Kobe Bryant. So, so, so I was watching all of these games and it's like, like all of these things that they're talking about. It's like, um, like that's, that's literally just the way the ball bounces sometimes. Like you can't attribute all of these like greatness to the Celtics or greatness to the Lakers because of these two or three things that happened in this game. Like that was a really tight game. And the next mm-hmm. one's probably going to be a really tight, da- tight game. Mm-hmm. And would I be surprised if they win the next two and do finish it out? No, but I also don't think that's going to happen. Not because of what I just saw in this last game. Yeah. Yeah. Recency bias is a, it is a thing that we get especially too tied up in. And maybe it's, like I, I want to believe that it's become a more prevalent thing because of Twitter and Facebook and, and all of this mm-hmm. stuff. But we're talking about the Lakers Celtics of the early 2000s. So obviously it's not, it's not something that just came about because of this. Like it's, it's something that has probably plagued human history for literally forever. And yeah, we're, we're just getting to see it in real time right now. I I just want to say as a quick side note, because uh, you said you hate Kobe Bryant, that um, a a publication that shall not be named recently uh, did an article and put out a tweet talking about the Mamba mentality. They were, they were praising Kobe Bryant and they were talking about the Mamba mentality and how um, his 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 work ethic, his pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. Uh, AKA the mama mentality was so good and that that was something for people to aspire to. And I, and I tweeted at them is, is raping hotel clerks in Colorado part of the mama mentality. And they blocked me instantly. I kind of felt, <laughs> I, was just, I mean, I, was just, I thought it was a legitimate question. I was just wondering if that's part of the mama mentality, but I mean, if, if we're going to talk about it, we may as well talk about it. Uh, yeah. It, but uh, like another, just another basketball example, I'm not as big of a basketball guy as you are, but another basketball example is, as you look at Golden State the last several years and, and, you know, is Steve Kerr a good coach? Yes. Did they, did they draft really well and build a really good young team? Absolutely. Did they win some championships? Of course. But I remember like after they won their first or second championship, all the talk was, is, is Golden State going to win like the next seven rings? Like, are they just going to put like the 90s Bulls to absolute shame because they're about to win like 10 titles in a row? And they didn't even win the next title. They didn't like, they didn't even, like, they, they didn't win the next. They, they, they didn't, they lost to the Cavs or whatever in seven. Like, they got reverse swept and then they got like knocked out in the first round or whatever a year after that. And then they started having some injury issues because you know what? Surprise, you get older and your back and ankles don't work as well in basketball, do they, Justin? And so the, yeah, the people who were touted as the next 90s Bulls, like, not even a year later were. They, the articles literally went from, will they win the next seven championships to, will they win another championship? <laughs> like, just like that. I guess that's a kind of a nice thing with football is you don't typically see that as much because there is such an understanding that it, that there is such a roll of the dice with a, with a football season from year to year. And, mm-hmm. you know, injuries are, injuries aren't a, if they happen, it's a when they happen type of a thing. And it's how mm-hmm. bad is it going to be when it does happen type of thing. Uh, so, yeah, you don't see that as much with, with football typically. But, yeah, with especially with basketball, for whatever reason, like as soon as you get just a little inkling of somebody starting to 
to roll in the right direction, it just goes way downhill way fast. And and like you said, like I'm 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 a basketball nerd. So whenever I look at it, I'm like, yeah, but the ball just bounces that way sometimes. Like you can explain you can explain most basketball games, especially any game that's less than you know, less than 10 points. You can usually mm-hmm. explain it with two or three like 50-50 balls that literally could have gone either way. Or, you know, that lucky shot that everybody everybody watches it on the replay and they're like, how the hell did that go in? And it because it just does sometimes. And mm-hmm. and I guess, you know, football games any football game that's decided by less than two scores is probably around, you know, on kind of a, a similar trajectory. Like it probably could have gone either way up to a certain point in the game. And then things just happen. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl was a, a prime example of that. Like it really could have gone either way until it didn't. And that's the way the ball bounces sometimes. So speaking, speaking of that, I know that this like has nothing to do with like the, the current events or politics or anything, but can you think of a Super Bowl in your lifetime that less people gave a shit about than this year? Uh, I didn't give a shit about it. So. <laughs> I mean, nobody did. I, nobody. I like. I'm a big football guy, and and most of my friends are big football guys. And I can't think of anyone that like. I don't. I don't even know any any of my personal friends that actually sat down and watched the whole game. I know a lot of people who watched a half, thought the commercials kind of sucked, and then turned off the halftime show, and then but then didn't bother to check back in to see what the final score was. They were asking. These are football people now who were asking other normies the next day, "Hey, what was the final score?" I watched clips and highlights and replays and stuff as it was going on, but I wasn't really playing, super, paying super close attention. Mm-hmm. So was it a was it a pass interference or not? I mean, probably, but you know, it's so as both. I was both a receiver and a and a, a DB. Uh, okay. Oh, so you have an interesting perspective then. Okay. And as as both a receiver. And a DB, mm-hmm. it was absolutely pass interference. Like if if I did that as mm-hmm. as a DB and didn't get called for pass interference, I would have thought I was fucking lucky. And if as a receiver, the defender did that to me and it didn't get called as a pass interference, I would be fucking pissed off. So like mm-hmm. from from both sides of looking at it, like it was absolutely the right call. Was it a good call given that situation in the game? I don't know, but you know, at one point, at what point as a referee, can you just stop making calls? Like you still Mm -hmm. have to call the game regardless of, regardless of what the time is on the clock, regardless of what the situation is. Like you still have to call the game the way the game was meant to be called. And so, yeah, like I, I saw that and all the outrage around it. And I was like, that's a, that's a good call. Like it's shitty timing for, for that to happen. But you know, as the as the defender, don't fucking put your hands on the guy like that. Like it's it, you're it's it's really that that simple. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, that that just reminded me. Like I'm not I'm not a big Titans homer or anything. I live in Tennessee, but I I still call them the Oilers for it. So that kind of tells you what I think about the Titans. Uh, I mean, I grew up a Cowboys fan, but the the opening game of the Titans because they were the number one seed despite a crazy season that it was. They were the number one seed. They were playing the Bengals who wound up going to the Super Bowl. The Titans could have won the Super Bowl this year. That was like, that was a good opportunity for them to win it. Um, and did they have lots of opportunities to put that game away and they failed to? Absolutely. However, the ultimate deciding play was when they had the ball and time uh, and they were driving 
Ryan Tannehill threw an interception around midfield that the Bengals ultimately kicked a field goal to win the game as time expired. But on the and he had a terrible game, by the way. But even though he had a terrible game, that play was not on him. The the interception that ultimately led to, led to the Bengals' field goal as time expired, they hugged the receiver. Like long before the the reason why the ball was knocked up in the air and was intercepted was because the receiver was literally being bear hugged by, by it from the back by the DB. So you can you can say that well they didn't play a good game. You can say that well the Bengals capitalized on the turnover. You can say that well it was a heads up play by like the other corner or safety to come to get the tip ball whatever. But I'm pretty sure, like you've seen, I know like being football fans, you've seen a lot of plays where they say, if you even so much as put a hand on the back, you could get called. Now I'm, I'm all for letting them play, but usually, usually typically speaking, if you see a Jersey pool, like if you've got a handful of fabric, that's pass interference. It doesn't even matter when or what's going on. If as the DB, if your hand closes Mm -hmm. and there's, you can, yeah see especially if a ref is anywhere in eyesight and can see mm-hmm. that shirt come away from from mm-hmm. the body a little bit that's a, that's an immediate flag like that's that's a no brainer and and the other one is is that it's one thing for it to be like boom boom the ball's coming and you hit the receiver but if you're if you're obstructing their arms like if you're holding my arms back that's going to be pass interference like it doesn't even matter if the ball's there if you're holding my arms from reaching the ball it's going to be pass interference 100% of the time except for the end of the Titans Bengals game <laughs> that that wasn't pass interference apparently as as both receiver and and defensive back i've seen a lot of plays where i look at it and i think about it from both perspectives and i'm like yeah, that's a terrible call. Or mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good call. And like I said, like with that in the Super Bowl, like th- that was that was an obvious call. He yeah. you physically see the jersey pull. Like as soon as you see that, that's the right call. Regardless mm-hmm. of the situation, it's the right call. Yeah. I I agree, but I I also agree with the point you made prior that no matter what the sport is, whether it's the last 30 seconds of a basketball game that's that's tied or a close game or whatever, there's if you're going to quote unquote let them play, you got to let them play from the opening minute, not in the closing minute. If, you know, hockey, football, whatever. If if you're a lot of cuz you know, hockey's an interesting sport. I'm not a big hockey guy. My friend Mike Meharry is. Uh, he's a huge hockey guy, but he talks all the time about how playoff hockey is a hundred percent. It's, it's might as well be a different game. It might as well be a different sport than, than regular season hockey, because like the, the unwritten rules totally shift to you. It's a lot more. I mean, it's, it's understandable that playoff hockey, cause it's win or go home type games. You're, you're going to be physical. It's going to be fast. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be bringing your best, right? That's all sports, but the referees do the same thing. They're contributing to that change in the mindset of the game by swallowing their whistles particularly at the end of the game well, well i mean the, how the ma- nba used to be the same way like there used to be mm-hmm. such a thing as playoff basketball in the nba and you always expected it to be a lot more physical a lot mm-hmm. more defensive oriented like you knew people were going to get roughed up and that's why you had certain teams like the spurs and those like 2000s lakers that Mm-hmm. They were built for that. And that's why you always had those teams like those 2000s, Phoenix Suns, Mike D'Antoni teams that would always crumble during that because they were not built for that physical, defensive-oriented style of play 
that came with the playoffs. And yeah, but well, like like you said, like it's an it's an unwritten rule that everybody knows and everybody's on on the same page with. And whether you like it or not, like that's that's the league that you're living in, and that's mm-hmm. what you're playing in. And and you have to you have to adjust accordingly. Did did you watch that uh, that Bulls Jordan documentary thing that came out like a year a year ago or whatever it was? I've already forgotten the name of it now. That like six or seven episode documentary about the the Bulls when Jordan was there. That all those memes came from of when Jordan was saying I took it personally and all that crap. I watched like, a couple of them, but I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I guess I need to go back and revisit it. It, it was pretty good. I'll admit that it was pretty good. Like I wasn't a big Michael Jordan fan or anything, but I, but I thought what was interesting was, is that cause, cause again, talk, recency bias, even though this wasn't super recent, a lot of people remember the Jordan that was a part of the, of the back to back or the, the three peats, right? The, the set, the two separate three peats. Um, and, and, and I mean, of course, amazing, like among all time greats, of course. Uh, with that said, though, a lot of people don't remember Jordan's earliest years in the league where he was already I mean, he was putting up insane numbers at, right there at the tail end of some of the careers of people like Magic and Kareem and, and Bird and stuff like that. He was putting up these insane numbers, but the Bulls weren't 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 winning the big games. And why? Because they were getting the shit beat out of them by teams like the Pistons. But you know what? But they didn't cry that they needed to change the rules. They just got tougher. And so even so even though he's kind of a prick and uh, and you know an arrogant POS I can respect the fact that they didn't go into the offseason saying we need to lobby the NBA to change the rules. They went in the offseason saying we got to condition ourselves to beat the Pistons. Whereas now compare that to today. Could you see the mod- you brought up the Dan to- Dan and Tony teams? Could you imagine modern Suns uh or even Lakers for that matter, or or Golden State, or whoever. Could you imagine those teams saying, we got to go into the offseason and get tougher because they're going to bully us? Hell no. They would all be calling their guys at the at the league office saying, we got to change these rules. Look look at them. They're touching me. They're, they're touching me when I'm doing my step back. Like the, I, 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 I've, I've said many times on the record that the reason why I'm not a big basketball guy is because I'm just, I'm not quite old enough. To me, basketball died like, Right around the time of the start of the Bulls dynasty, basketball was dead. From from the seventies through the early nineties, that was like that was basketball. Like in my mind, basketball as it is today is not basketball. That's like hoops. We'll call that hoops today. Basketball was that game. See, I was a big Spurs fan. So oh, well, there you go. So that's like I was still a fan of what. I considered basketball like defense, mm-hmm. physical, you know, two bigs, uh, distributing point guard and some shooters and like run the mm-hmm. offense through the middle, like pick a lot of pick and roll, you know, that old school style. And, and, you know, they played hard. They probably to some extent played dirty. Like they got after it. You know, they had guys like Bruce Bowen and Mario Ellie and uh, Robert mm-hmm. Horry. Like they had guys that, by today's standards were probably dirty basketball players, but God, they were good. And like, that's, so when it came playoff time, like they got after it. And so that's, I was a fan of, you know, the nineties, 2000 and 2000 Spurs. So I still consider there to be, to have been good basketball because I was a, a big fan of it, but nobody else liked that. And like, you know, the fan base of the Spurs, I would, I would argue was relatively small. And every time they won a championship, it was like the collective groan from the NBA, <laughs> which 
like that's good basketball. That's the way it's supposed to be played. And yeah, I, I don't give two shits about the NBA anymore because it's devolved into just a giant pussy league. So I the I've told this story before that the guy who taught me how to play basketball was my uncle Mike. And Mike played basketball in high school for Summertown. So Summertown is one of them little towns out in the sticks for people that are not familiar with Southern Middle Tennessee. Uh, it's the kind of place where you hear banjos if you go too far one direction or another. And uh, oh they, when when he was in high school, they played against a team in an invitational that had a guy. I forget the I forget the guy's name. He was a guy that he was he was he ended up being like a huge D one college player, and then he had an NBA career that was kind of mediocre. But I mean, the, if he even made it to the NBA, he's the best basketball player you and I have ever like <laughs> right like by, by far. Doesn't matter how mediocre he was in the NBA, but but when that guy was like seventeen or eighteen, he was playing my uncle Mike's little two A Summertown high school team. Um, the divisions here go up to like six A, so two A is like the school has like forty people in it, and ten of them are on the basketball team. Uh, and 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 my uncle Mike's team won; they beat this team, and they specifically got this guy pit. Like I think he got ejected for for like a bunch of techs. And the reason he got a bunch of texts was because he threw some elbows and, and took some swings at my uncle Mike. And you think, wow, God, what a prick that guy was. The reason why he did that was because, every, of course, this guy's huge, right? Every single time he posted up underneath the basket in front of my uncle Mike, Mike would reach down and start yanking the, the hairs right below the knee joint out of his leg. <laughs> That's basketball, son. That's We played against a guy that... <clears throat> If left to his own devices, would on us. What we figured out was that he didn't tie his drawstring real tight on his shorts, and so as soon as he caught the ball, if you just grab hold of the uh, the hem of his shorts when he would go to jump, his pants would come down, <clears throat> and as his pants came down, he would let go of the ball and try to save his britches. So mm-hmm. you just always pull his pants down. And, you know, is there is it dirty? Absolutely. Does it work? Absolutely. Does he eventually get pissed off and take a swing at somebody and get ejected from the game? Absolutely. And you just mm-hmm. try to make sure that you are faster than he is when he takes a swing at you and you don't get hit because, you know, the dude's six, eight and weighs about 240 pounds. And if he does connect, you're probably going to die. But mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's a risk you take. Well, I like, you know, we were talking about like those, those like early two thousands Lakers teams or whatever. Like you think of Shaquille O'Neal, like, of course, it's a totally different game today than it was then. But Shaq and, and and Shaq got into some fights and and whatever. But for the most part, it was really important for him to keep a cool head because the kind of shit we're talking about, people were it was hack a Shaq, right? People were hitting Shaq all the time, but they were doing that because this was a time in the league where if he keeps his foul foul count under three or four. This dude's going to get 40 or 50 points, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop it. You're going to foul out for even having gotten in his face. He's not going to one. He's not going to be the one that fouls out. Like three of your best defenders are going to foul out while he gets 50 points, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> there so, were literally teams who had big dudes who had no other purpose mm-hmm. on the planet than to walk into the game and foul him six times and foul out. <laughs> like that was, yes. that was their sole purpose on the basketball floor. It, it didn't matter if they couldn't throw a beach ball in the ocean. All they had to do was be six, nine plus and weigh close to 300 pounds and get in there just enough to body him up and mm-hmm. get fouls caught on him. Like, th- there was there, a whole generation of basketball players who made millions of dollars in the NBA for being able to do nothing more than foul Shaq. I, f- I forget who it was now. Um, 
uh, his his name is escaping me. But the, remember the year that they played the Pacers? Like it was right towards the very end of Reggie Miller's career. Uh, and which, by the way, I would have loved for the Pacers to have won, but I didn't think they had any chance in the world. And it turns out they didn't. Uh, but I remember one of their one of the guys that they had on their team that was just muscle. He's just the guy to collect fouls on Shaq. I mean, this guy was just training Krav Maga, right? Like this guy was just toughening up the bones in his elbow. And you look at Shaq today. Shaq has lots of back problems, which a lot of people who are really tall do. That's that's a pretty common thing. But Shaq has tons of back problems. You know why he has a ton of back problems? Other than the fact that he's huge and he put on a lot of weight, is that people people who are midgets like like us. I know you're not a midget, but compared to Shaq, you are midgets like us. Were putting their elbows in his spine and his kidneys every single time he caught the ball. Because what else are you supposed to do? It's not like you're going to go up and pack his lights out. You might as well put an elbow in his in his spine. I'm sorry, it's just them's the breaks. I mean, it's you know, and, and I mean, like, and a lot of people could say, oh, well, that's not how we do things in the modern game. And and I and and well, like even football, for instance, football is a pussy game compared to what it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I bet it I bet it won't look like quite the same pussy game if you're in the middle of one of those fumble scrums. You get you get in the bottom of that pile, there's some shit going on down there that's gonna remind you of old school football. You just don't see it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna close it on this because my wife is telling me that it's time for me to wrap it up. <laughs> Hazard of of doing this in like a common room in the house. Eventually, everybody else will be out of this house and I'll just use it for my podcasting stuff. But until then, I have to uh, I have to behave myself. So so talking about one of those uh, fumble scrums, the uh, I saw it as it was a it was a goal line goal line stand. And they put this big dude in at fullback. And it was very obvious that they were about to give him the ball and just let him like blow through the line. Mm-hmm. And and at the time, I'm I'm a six three hundred and forty pound free safety who has mm-hmm. absolutely no business being anywhere near a line of scrimmage. Yeah, but I know that they're about to give this dude the ball. So as soon as the ball is snapped, I take off just dead sprint. And as they hand it to him, I dive on the ball and take it from him and just hit the ground. Their entire offensive line and everybody pile on top of me, and then mm-hmm. I weasel my way out from underneath this giant pile and you can see them all just like beating the ever loving fuck out of each other. Like that's all of their team on top of each other. Just like lots of dirty jabs and knees and stuff. And they're just hitting each other because I'm out of the pile handing the ball to the ref. Like, I don't know what these fuckers are doing. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Like when you see one of those, it, it, it's uh, you, I guarantee you there are some nasty shots being taken, at the, especially at the bottom of that pile where they don't think anybody's catching it. Whether it's sports or politics, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Damn right. That's a good good way to close this out. Alan, thank you very much for joining me on such a uh, kind of short notice, spontaneous, impromptu show. And I love that we that we bring it back to sports. It's only fitting that we uh, that we take it back to sports to to close things out. Oh. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you having me, Justin. We're we are true bread and circus individuals here. <laughs> Everybody be sure to go over and check out Alan on uh, It's Too Late tonight, I'm guessing, maybe. And then mm-hmm. uh, if I haven't cut too much into his time. And then again on Wednesday for the main show and then on Thursday for the uh, recap or whatever you want to call it. If I'm at work, I will definitely be there. And if I'm not at work, there's a about a 50-50 chance. It just depends on if she tells me I have to come to bed or not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining me on uh, this very fun, very impromptu show. 
I will be back tomorrow night with another live stream that uh, has not actually materialized yet. I'm I'm still working on that, but if all else fails, I've got a couple uh, I've got a couple aces in the hole. Old Magoo is always good for a impromptu sh talk some shit sh kind of show. Uh, so we'll see how tomorrow night goes. And in the meantime, I hope everybody has a great rest of your evening and a great day. And I will catch you next time. <laughs>